Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Klossman, and today I have Amy Zellmer on with us. She is an editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life Magazine and the Brain Health Magazine. Amy has a passion to spread the message that yoga is for everybody, regardless of size or ability, and a mission to raise awareness about the devastating consequences of TBI. So welcome to the show today, Amy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I would love to know, um, how yoga came into your life and what that journey was like for you. Well, you know, I started my yoga journey somewhere in college. Um, and I think like most people, it just was introduced to me, like through, um, like the university, like athletic department. So it was kind of introduced as just an exercise form of exercise, like aerobics. Cause I think At that time, like aerobics were starting to go away and yoga was taking its place at that time. Um, And then I kind of, you know, I I did a few classes and whatever. And then I didn't really connect with it again until like the early 2000s. Um, I met a good friend and she was a yoga instructor. And so she introduced me to like what yoga truly is, right? Mm. It's, It's eight limbs. It's not just exercise. And, um, so then I really, uh, started diving a little deeper into my yoga practice. Um, but really in 2014, when I suffered my traumatic brain injury, and in addition to that, I had a lot of physical injuries. Um, that's when I really connected to yoga and understood that yoga can help us heal like the power of yoga. Um, so it's been an evolution for me, for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm like, there's so many different threads that I can pull I on and kind of go I down. <laughs> so um, let's start, I think let's start with the first one um, that you kind of had mentioned about, you know, the eight limbs of yoga and um, mm-hmm. really just kind of diving into that piece in case people are listening and they're like, okay, maybe they're at the yoga journey where it is that physical movement for them. Um, so can you tap a little bit into what is yoga in regards to uh, maybe what we see versus maybe what it actually truly is. Yeah. You know, I think yoga is a lifestyle, right? It's not just something you do on the mat. Um, it's sort of something you live by, I guess. Um, you know, it's about, you know, one of the limbs is, you know, meditation and, and pranayama breath work and, you know, asana is just one limb. And while asana is fantastic, right, it gets us stretching and moving. Um, And, you know, for me, it was a huge part of my recovery, um, the asana portion. But also it was, you know, like just getting in touch with my inner self and finding my inner strength um, to actually recover. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that was a profound moment with me when I um, kind of connect it with my inner self or my higher being, I guess. Um, and I think that that's missed a lot. I think, um, the average person, just the way yoga is portrayed, right? Like if you look at Instagram, you know, it's just people in these big, beautiful poses, which is wonderful. Um, but that's not the whole story. And I think that it gets lost in translation a lot just for the average person. And the average person thinks they can't do yoga because they see those great big pose pictures. So, yeah. So, you know, it's just so much deeper. Mm. 
Yeah, I think that last one is a is a key piece because I've had many people who are like, well, I'm not flexible. I can't mm-hmm. I can't do yoga. And I work with a population, you know, typically 75 to 96 is the oldest. And you know, a lot of them have come around now and they're like, okay, let me try this yoga class that you're offering via zoom. And they're, they can do it and they love it. And we do, some do chair, some are standing yep. and mm-hmm. some go on the floor. Like I have a very a variety of people doing different things and I'm giving them, you know, here's a choice, here's a choice. And so sometimes I think when we're looking at yoga from the outside and we're like, okay, I'm not flexible. I can't do that. I'm not a gymnast. I'm not a dancer. And I come from that background. I'm a very, I was I came from the strength training, personal training side. Mm-hmm. I was very tight and I still am. And that's one of the things that I appreciate when teachers, like I give many options because I'm like, I yes. get it. Like I can't get into those poses either. Yep. And it makes people feel better. Like, oh, you, there are choices. There are different ways that we can do this. Um, so I guess my question is how can, if people are listening and they are teachers and maybe they have that dancer gymnast background, how can they help maybe get yoga to be for everybody truly, instead of maybe getting into these poses that are easy for them, but people don't realize Mm, it's not easy for us all to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for some people, even just a simple forward fold is hard, right? Like, especially like a seated forward fold. (laughs) You're raising your hand. Yeah. It's that's me. Tight hamstrings, tight hips, like my entire life. That's, that's my story. Um, But, you know, first of all, it's okay to not be the teacher for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we feel that we have to be the teacher for everyone and it's okay to not be like you do you, but if you do want to truly reach broader populations, such as larger bodies or bodies with mobility problems or people with disabilities or the senior population um you really truly have to be accessible and you know that's sort of a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot accessible and if you're going to be accessible you need to be accessible first of all is your studio accessible Mm -hmm. is are there stairs because if there's stairs you might not be accessible like even if someone's not in a wheelchair like if you have mobility issues it can be challenging or even if you have um lung conditions or heart conditions stairs can be challenging um so first of all looking at that and then um taking a course such as yoga for all with diane bondi and emmer karns or the accessible yoga school with jivana Heyman, um you know taking further education i'm not saying you have to have further education but if you truly want to be accessible it's important to learn some of the ways to be accessible some of the modifications so an example I like to give is when I was in, well, it was past college, but when I was younger and I was much more thin, but I still had large boobs. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> so low lunge was like impossible. There's, there's boobs in the way. So I couldn't get my arms on either side of my knee. So I would bring my body to the inside of me, my knee, almost more into a lizard pose. Um, and my teacher came up to me after class and was like, can I just ask why you're modifying it like that? And I'm like, cause my boobs <laughs> get squished and now I've got belly in the way too. But, um, but you know, she was like, Oh, that never dawned on me. Cause you know, she had a smaller chest. And so if you don't experience, 
experience those body limitations, it's hard to understand and to even know that someone might need that modification. So that's where those trainings can really be powerful. Yeah, that was, I think one of my beef, um, cause I went through my 500 hour this last time we didn't have a ton of anatomy and, um, mm. coming from my personal training background, I actually corrected our two, my 200 hour trainer. Cause he wasn't calling <laughs> muscle groups. Right. I'm like, what are they called? And he was like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, that's what I studied in college. And this, I'm a personal trainer. He's like, wow. oh, the next week he came back and he knew his, he knew his muscle groups because I was like, this is not acceptable. And then I'm thinking, well, shoot, you would have got away with this if I wouldn't yeah, have called you out yeah. on this and you're teaching these teachers. So you're so teaching it wrong. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, this yeah. is my beef with like the yoga anatomy in terms of sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, and it's not necessarily regulated. And then you're expected to get people into poses that could hurt them. And if you don't yes. know how to modify, or you don't know what these injuries are, you know, like working with a senior population, I've seen lots of different yeah. things where I've had to research and like, okay, how can I modify for this? And that's sometimes my beef with the yoga community in terms of like, okay, we have to have a little better standard for that. So we can teach everybody truly and safely. Um, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I just had lunch with two relatively new yoga teachers and neither one of them had any anatomy in their mm -hmm. 200 hour. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How can you teach yoga with without understanding anatomy? And so they both were looking for resources to learn more anatomy. Um, and I'm just like, how, like, I'm just so thankful my 200 hour was a lot of anatomy. Mm. <laughs> and while it was challenging at times to memorize things, um, I'm so glad that I had that because like, I'm fascinated with the body. I want to understand how it works. I'm very much with a brain injury. I'm very much into the neurology of things. And so like the brain and the body and how it's connected. And like, I kind of geek out on that stuff. Um, and it makes me really sad to, to hear that people aren't getting any anatomy in their 200 hour. And like, it should be required. Like that should like, I just don't understand how that's getting missed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like with my 500, I was like, I don't, we didn't do any like 200 hour. We had a little bit, the 500, we had none, which is again, I'm like, that should be like even more in depth anatomy, in my opinion, like if right. you're going to be going out there. And so that's, that's one where I'm like, okay, there's a, there's a missing link. I think that, um, yeah. I, I don't have any resources per se where people can go. Cause I was just signed up for a prenatal um, course online to get more certification knowledge about that. And I was like, well, this isn't right. Like that's not, she didn't call, she called a dialysis recti. And I was like, oh boy, like we're not even naming the thing is right. And I'm like, this oh. is, this is cringy to me. And I'm like, oh, especially as the Teacher, teacher, trainer, teacher. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're just like, oh man. So yeah, that's sometimes my, my, um, like, oh, I, do you have any resources if people are like any anatomy or people that you've yes. met locally from your magazine? I, so I do have one resource. It's called Anatomy Bites. Um, and it's Libby Hinsley and she is a PT and a yoga teacher. So like she's got the knowledge yes. and every month you get, I'm totally giving her a little commercial here. <laughs> um, I get nothing out of this. Um, but every month you get a module on a particular part of the body, like rotator cuff or hips. Um, 
And she gives a pretty in-depth lecture on the muscles and the joints and all that. But then she kind of like, she gives you the high end, but she also kind of dumbs it down for you. Right. And then she does a one hour practice targeting that part. And I I love it. I, I look forward to that every month. <laughs> I'm going to check it out myself. Cause I'm like, that's one where yes. <laughs> I was like making sure that you just stay on top of it too. Cause it's easy to, to forget. Yeah. Or, you and know, like, like, you know, I think the average yoga teacher doesn't have like a medical background. Right. So like you wouldn't right. know all this stuff. And like I said, I had great anatomy in my teacher training, but this is a great refresher just every single month. And I work mostly with the TBI population. We do a lot of chair yoga and gentle yoga and they love learning the anatomy. So like in class, I, I don't necessarily teach anatomy, but I teach like in tree pose, make sure we're not hipping, popping our hip out because over time that can cause damage. And so, you know, like just little things like that to make people aware and I don't think that's done enough in yoga either, um, especially just in like your traditional studio classes. Um, but just keeping people safe because it's so easy to injure yourself in yoga if yes. you you know if you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, that's where I always tell. Um, like I have I have a friend who's a yoga teacher and she just sat down to teach and she cracked her pelvis and oh. it was just airy. I mean, it was, she's vata and very airy and it just. And so little things like that, where you're just like, I, how, and it can be because we don't have that stability. We have the mobility, we don't have that stability. So having in teaching people why you need both. And that's something I like to throw into class too, for people to like, know, okay, like I might be really flexible, but am I stable? So yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I want to kind of switch gears into the TBI talk and just you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, your own experience with that. Um, I actually had a yoga teacher friend who just had a TBI a few years ago, um, and is navigating that whole landscape as well. So can you share a little bit about your journey? Absolutely. So in 2014, I slipped on a patch of black ice. Um, I live in Minneapolis, so it's, it's, it gets a little cold here in the winter. Um, I had my Yorkie in my arm. She, she refused to walk because it was too cold. So I picked her up and we were on an incline and I stepped on a patch of black ice. Feet went out from under me and I landed on my head. Um, I also dislocated my sternum, tore muscles in my neck and oh. abdomen. Like, I mean, it was, it was a lot. And mm. <laughs> so I had no idea. I knew right away when I got up, I was not okay. Like my head hurt. I was seeing stars. Um, but I knew I probably had a concussion, but had zero idea Mm. what I was in store for. And it took me years. It, it literally took like three years to start getting better. Um, and so that's why I'm so passionate about working with TBI people and helping to show them how yoga really can help us. And like I said, it's more than just the asana and it's, you know, getting into yourself and just knowing that you have the power to get through this, even no matter how awful it feels at the time. Um, so in my early days, well, the first few years, I had a lot of balance and dizziness mm-hmm. and, so that was a struggle with yoga. And so yoga actually really helped me gain back balance. I mean, as you can imagine, 
Uh, and it did help with the dizziness. Um, to this day, I still just, I was just watching something I had filmed and I fell over in pyramid pose and I was like, oh, didn't see that coming today. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, it's a long journey. And unless you've experienced it, it's really hard. You can be as empathetic and caring as you possibly can be, but you still just can't put yourself in that person's shoes. Right. Um, and I did the love your brain, um, teacher training as well, or certification. Um, love your brain is a beautiful organization that was started by Kevin Pierce, who was an Olympic snowboarder. Um, him and Sean White were the, the big contenders. I believe it was 2008. Um, and he crashed two weeks before the Olympics. Oh my gosh. Um, and they were actually filming a documentary of a different kind <laughs> at the time of his crash. And so that turned into a documentary called the crash reel. Um, and I'm not totally sure where you can find it. I know it's out there, um, streaming. Um, so that's a really great resource if you know someone or you yourself have had a brain injury. It's a very well done documentary of Kevin's first year after a brain injury. Um, so I've been involved with them and we're still trying to get a studio in Minneapolis to come on as a partner. I'm like, what's up, Minneapolis? We have like hundreds of yoga studios. How do we not have one yet? Um, so I'm working on that, but they offer free yoga to survivors and caregivers across the U.S. at Partner Studios. Um, it's completely free and it's, I believe, a six or I think it's a six week program and they do it four times a year. They do it quarterly. So very beautiful program. Um, wow. Great resource. Yeah. And they also offer mindfulness, lots of mindfulness. Um, and March is Brain Awareness Month. So they do Mindfulness March. Um mm -hmm. So you can go to loveyourbrain.com and sign up for that. I have a question for, I think this is an important topic too, that you bring up because often people with TBIs, they can be in your yoga class. You're yeah. not necessarily going to know, you know, yeah. are there any tips for teaching, you know, and you, people don't always want to disclose that either, you know, right away, yeah. especially they don't know the teacher. Um, are there any tips for teachers who might be like, how can I help work and make this an inclusive environment for people who might be having something that I physically can't see? Mm hmm. So great question. Um, one thing is like background noise. So mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, different studios play different things. I personally don't use music in mine because um, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but background noise can be very distracting. And, you know, I think we're seeing that with other neuro neurodivergent people as well. Right. Um, just having that background noise that can like distract you um and sometimes lights can be very um challenging if you have light sensitivity um so like maybe you have big windows in your studio and they have light sensitivity so maybe they need to turn their back to the window mm -hmm. right instead of looking into it I know that was big for me for a while um and then also knowing some of the things that they might not be able to handle so like a lot of TBI people have dysautonomic problems, um, like trouble regulating the heart rate and blood pressure and stuff like that. So inversions can be challenging. Um, so 
I do our inversions. Typically we're at a chair. So down dog, our hands are on a chair or we forward fold to a chair um, so that we're not going into an inversion. Um, even child's pose can be uncomfortable for some people, right? Like it's, it's a bit of an inversion, not a big one, but it's one we don't often think about. Um, some can't go fully supine, which that's me too. Um, so I have to prop myself up. I put a block under my bolster and kind of like create a little angle, um, just so I have my head above my heart and then I can get on my back. Um, and again, just understanding not everybody can get down to the floor. And so a chair is an amazing tool. Like if you don't have chairs in your studio, like just a straight up folding chair, preferably with padding, cause that just makes it feel a little better, but, um, straight up folding chairs, just have a few of them in your studio that you can pull out to help someone. Um, it's an amazing tool and, obviously you'd want to learn how to use it as, as a prop, um, so that you can help your student know how to use it as a prop, but it's an amazing prop. I mean, I can teach a class with people both in the chair, as I'm sure you can, you know, in the chair standing, um, and some people do like a hybrid, right. They'll stand for part of it, sit for part of it. Um, I personally don't like getting down on the ground. I have trouble on my hands and knees because I have a knee issue, but, uh, but you know, just, and that's the other thing, right? Like someone might come into your class. They recently had a knee or ankle or hip surgery, right? Like you can put them in a chair. They don't have to get on the floor. They don't have to have weight bearing. Now, would you go suggesting, so this is also where I'm like mindful of like, not trying to like force people to use like a chair when I'm like, Oh, this would really help. But sometimes people get a little in their heads about it and they don't want to be the odd person in class using this prop that no one else is using. How do you kind of go about that? Well, with my class, I make everybody start in a chair. Hmm. So we all start there together. Um, and then those who choose to stand or get on the floor, you know, they, they, they are in control of that. Um, but when everybody starts in the chair, we're all in the same playing field. So like that. Yeah. Um, and then my next question kind of is with TBI and I've, I mean, I've had a, a one-on-one client who's had many concussions, like had three or four in an eight month span. And so yeah. what we were finding is, you know, like meditation. And so we try to do some mm-hmm. meditation because she really needs it, but it's really hard. Um, it's really hard for her to slow down. And, uh, are there any tips for people who might have, you know, TBI or maybe dealing with a lot of concussions of how to get into these practices when maybe they were easy, but they're not so easy anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think that applies to anybody. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> very um, cause our minds can just race, right. Yeah. It's hard to yeah. turn it off. And, yeah. and I think that's people's hesitation to meditation. Like, oh, I can't, I can't shut my brain off. Well, nobody can like we're human. Even the best meditators still find themselves wandering. Right. Um, so I think like, I like a guided meditation where there's somebody telling me what to do at different times or the meditation where maybe you ring a chime every minute and that, that chime signals, okay, bring your, your, your thoughts back to your breath. Um, that one works really good for me. Um, I have just a recording and every minute for 15 minutes, a chime rings. And so if I am wandering with my brain, it's like, oh, bring it back. <laughs> like that, that works well for me. Yeah. I like that too. And yoga. And it yoga helps over Zoom. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. to make sure, yes, I'm still here. That way people don't have to kind of peek and see if you're still there, that one minute chime. And yes. Yeah. You didn't freeze. <laughs> um, and yoga nidra, I think is powerful for anybody, but, um, I know you love your brain is doing a lot of yoga nidra. There's a lot of research on it, um, that it's actually quite helpful, uh, after brain injury. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And again, um, that's kind of a guided thing, right? Like there's kind of someone guiding you the whole time. So it feels safe. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I want to know a little bit more um, about Minnesota yoga and life and the magazine and how that came to be. And um, you know, what you kind of do with the magazine, how often it comes out um, as a local St. Paul person. I'm like, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was in publication. It began in 2014 and ran through 2017. And then she just, you know, for personal reasons, stopped publishing. Um, And the brand itself, Yoga and Life, is owned by a couple named Bobby and Kim. And they're in Vail, Colorado. So they also run Colorado Yoga and Life. And then there's also New York. Um, But I was approached by Bobby and Kim last summer with the opportunity to purchase the Minnesota assets. And I was like, um... I don't know. Um, and the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I think this is my next step. Cause I was trying to figure out I, most of my time had been spent in the TBI world. You know, I've written several books. I started a magazine, the brain health magazine in the TBI world. Um, and I was like, okay, this is the direction I need to go. This is my next step. Um, and so I did, I moved forward with it. And my first issue came out April of what 22. Um, and then my second issue came out fall of 22. Um, and it's a twice a year publication spring and fall is when it comes out. So like April and October roughly. Um, and I like to grow it to three times a year. Um, but that just requires getting more partners. Um, so it's a free publication for the community. It's distributed through our partners and our partners are yoga studios, um, anything health wellness, right? Um, yoga studios, chiropractors, offices, um, health spas, anything like that. And it's also in like some of the public libraries and, um, like whole food type places, stuff like that. So stuff where, you know, health and wellness people hang out. Um, And it's all local contributors. There might be a few um, national contributors in it, but it's mostly local. And we highlight local teachers and studios. We do book reviews. Um, There's a couple sections. So there's yoga and movement, spotlights, and lifestyle, um, and health and wellness. And so... um, we have amazing contributors. I've just been so happy with the content that has been coming out. And um, the current issue has Mary McCollum on the cover, um, beautiful plus size yogi. Um, and our first issue had Erica Jones on the cover, beautiful black woman. So I'm just really trying to encompass inclusivity on the cover, showing all different body types, all different colors. Um and just different abilities, right? Like it's, it's not a one size fit all program. (laughs) So just showing diversity. Mm, I love that. Yeah. 
Well, what inspires you to kind of um, get the message out there and what kind of inspired you to, to really want to share? And I'm sure you have probably a large network of local people and it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And when I first took this on, I'm like, I don't know anybody. Like I was not connected in the yoga world at all. I was a photographer for 20 some years. So like that was my world. Um, so it was a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a call, a, a cover model call for the first issue. Cause like, I had no idea who to pick for the cover. Like I didn't know anyone. Um, so that's how I met Erica. And then she was little, did I know how connected she was in the community. Um, so she was amazing at helping me connect with people, but, um, the studios who had previously been part of it, we're like, oh, we're so glad it's back. We're so happy to have it here. So I have really been very warmly embraced by the community. They're thrilled to see it back. And I'm just so thrilled to be bringing it. And, um, you know, I just really want to bring, my mission is just to bring together the yoga and wellness community. And, you know, I believe, you know, the, there's power in numbers, right? The more, the more connected we are, the higher the vibration we can raise the entire world. So, um, just trying to connect and bring everyone together. And for the person who like finds the magazine, right? Like hopefully opening their eyes to like, there's a lot of Ayurveda in the magazine and um, just different articles that might turn them on to something new that they didn't know about. Yeah. I love that. And spreading the word and getting it out there to make it more mainstream. Mm -hmm. All about that. Well, if people want to connect with you, um, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Website, social media, yeah. So the website is MN, like Minnesota, MNYogaLife.com and MNYogaLifeMag on all social media. And I'm Amy Zelmer on all social media. Perfect. And then do you teach, if people are interested, maybe they have, you know, are going through a TBI themselves. Do you yeah. teach in-person classes or Zoom or? I do mostly Zoom. Um, and so that's through Patreon. I have a Patreon account. So patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer is where they can find me. Perfect. Make sure I put that in there as well. Well, I just have one final question. I always like to have a weekly challenge for the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be for everyone this week? How about we commit to practicing every day for just one minute? Oh, I love it. It just has to be a minute. People think that yoga has to be like an hour asana practice, but it just has to be a minute. Maybe, maybe you spend a minute doing an asana. Maybe you spend a minute meditating. Maybe you just spend a minute breathing or doing mantras. You know, I am, you know, beautiful. I am smart. Um, But just committing to every day for a week, just one minute. I love it. Just see how easy it is. Yes. And a new one. We haven't had that one before. So thank you. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I know I have a lot of notes here and I'm going to make sure I put those in the show notes as well because they're, they're great resources that you shared. So thank you. Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.